You are listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I am your host, Celine Yeager. Each week, I bring you advice from athletes, scientists, researchers, and other experts to help you feel and perform your best, no matter what your hormones are doing. This show is a production of Live Feisty Media. Hello, strong, feisty women. Welcome back. I hope you all had some wonderful time with your friends and family. This week, we are rolling into the new year with the ever-amazing Nicole DeBoom. Nicole is a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur and life adventurer. She was a world-class swimmer as a teen. She turned pro as a triathlete in 1999. She won Ironman Wisconsin in 2004, wearing a prototype of the first ever running skirt. And then three days later, she incorporated Skirt Sports Inc. And uh, that was a line of skirts that you could wear during sports. I had them. I love them. I still have some. She recently sold that company and started a new one called Aesop, where she records interviews with people to create audio memories for loved ones. And she has a podcast, which includes a menopause series that I've been on recently called Run This World. I'll put links to all of that in the show notes. And this week when we sit down, we talk about pretty much her whole journey. Nicole just turned 50 and is in the thick of perimenopause, which for her has manifested in brain fog, night sweats, and body composition changes that has left her with a whole lot of her own product that no longer fits. She also recently had spinal fusion for spondylolithesis, I think you say it, or spondy for short which is a spinal condition that causes cracks and slips in the vertebrae in the spinal column, which is is as awful as it sounds. And she lived with that for quite a while before having surgery, spinal fusion surgery recently, all while navigating her perimenopausal journey. And we just have a great wide sweeping conversation about all of it, including her internal debate about whether or not to take hormone therapy, how our identities evolve during this time of life, and much, much more. I could have talked to Nicole all day. I really love this conversation, and I hope you do too. Before we get to it, as always, I invite you to follow us at Feisty Menopause on Instagram and Facebook. Join our private Hit Play Not Pause Facebook group where we have about 20,000 women in there helping each other out. And sign up for my weekly blog at feistymenopause.com where I distill all the research on menopause and deliver it to your inbox every Thursday. Thank you, as always, for the five-star ratings and the great reviews. We are going to keep roaring this show into the new year, and I'm super excited. Reminder that we have that first ever Feisty Menopause Performance Retreat next month at this point. It's going to be in Lake Nona, Florida on the weekend of the 24th through the 26th in February. It's going to be fun and super educational. You get two nights at the Lake Nona Wave Hotel, a jarring motion analysis to help prevent injuries private strength and conditioning sessions, nutritional sessions, mindset sessions, and we have the private Feisty Menopause DECA event to wrap it all up. 
check that out at feistymenopause.com. I'll put links in the show notes. And I'd like to say a quick thanks to Bonafide. They are continuing their support in the new year. I'm super grateful. I talk about their vaginal moisturizer reverie, keeping me happy in the saddle. Nicole and I talk about that uh, in this episode. And they also have some new hair and skin products that are really, really wonderful. So thank you, Bonafide, for your continued support. And enough of me. So let's have a few words about some of these awesome sponsors and get on with the show. Musculoskeletal health is everything during menopause. Everyone knows how much I love Joint Health Plus from Prevenex, which has helped me get back to distance running after arthritic toes stopped me in my tracks. Now they have a product that has become my go-to for muscle strength and recovery, Muscle Health Plus. Muscle Health Plus contains all the key ingredients we talk about on this show, like creatine monohydrate, essential amino acids, and branched-chain amino acids, plus even more cutting-edge ingredients like HMB and estrogen that are scientifically shown to increase muscle growth, recovery, and strength. I use it every day during my early morning lifting sessions, and there's no question that it helps my power during those workouts and my recovery after. Plus, I love having everything I need from the best high-quality ingredients in one reasonably priced shake. I've also heard from fellow users who have had bloating or GI upset in the past from creatine that haven't had any of that with Muscle Health Plus. I make my shake with almond milk and espresso, but it's also good with ice cold water, which makes the flavor really pop. As always, you can get 15% off your first order with the code HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Prevenex.com. That's HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Prevenex.com. Do your muscles a favor and head on over and get some today. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested, and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are stoked to be working with Hedda's. Hedda's designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedda's has unlocked the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research and creates better shoes for women's performance. Some of Hedda's special features include a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing on women's ankle bones, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and accommodate female toe shape, a more narrow and reductive heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take pressure off the Achilles, a rounded instep that creates a snug fit through the middle to match the curvature of a woman's foot, and supercritical foam and a PBEX plate in the midsole to keep our legs going when the going gets tough. Hedda's has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for your long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've been running in the Alma Tempos, and they are a pleasure to train in. You can get your own pair of Hedda's at Hedda's.com and use the code FEISTY20, that's all caps, FEISTY20, for 20% off. Check it out today. We'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. All right, Nicole, I am very happy to have you here. We've been, I've been wanting to have the show for, oh, I don't know, at least a year now, maybe two. So I'm really glad that we finally made it happen. Yeah. I mean, we finally got it on the calendar and then I got sick and I was like, oh, I'll be better in like four days. And I rescheduled and I called, I was like, nope, not better. And we rescheduled. I'm still at the tail end of this thing. It's been six weeks. We're all getting sick now. 
Yeah, everybody's immune system is like, what is this? What's going on? We were protected <laughs> for so long. Totally. And you know, when you have like a 10-year-old rug rat who's like going to school and there's like germs and boogers flying around everywhere, like, I don't know how and why, but moms never seem to get sick. Like they take care of everyone. When we were kids, didn't your mom like always seem invincible? Yeah, I mean, she wasn't the portrait of health in any other way, but she never caught a cold. <laughs> you know, she what? smoked cigarettes and watched TV and didn't exercise. But I never saw that woman with a sniffle. Still to this day, I've never seen her with a sniffle. I'm like, her diet is crap. She doesn't take any care of herself. I don't actually get, I inherited that. Like a good stomach bug, I, like that will catch me from space. But like general colds, I tend to have that from her too which i'm very fortunate but it's not i don't i don't own it as any healthy thing because i'm just like it's just i look at my mom and i'm like mm, i think that's just a genetic quality well and we're living in just such a weird time too i mean here we are i'm 50 now and my health is just doing interesting and strange things and by health i mean my body and then obviously my immune system and other parts of me but like I, I'm just, every day I wake up and I'm like, what the hell is it going to be next? <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, you have had, you know, before we go into the menopause thing, which is part of that picture, I'm sure. Uh, I did want to ask you about your back because that's been a huge part of your journey for the past, how many years now? And I don't know how to say the thing that you have. I call it spondy. So can yes, you talk yeah. a little bit about where you are with that? Yeah, we all call it spondy, but then people go, which spondy? There's spondylosis, spondylus something, and then I have spondylolisthesis. Oh, I'm glad I didn't even try. Yeah, it's the long one. There's like a hidden S in the middle of it, as well as the front end. Um, and so what that is, it can be genetic or it can be uh, caused by a traumatic injury or something that happened that you may not even know happen to you until years later. Um, and mine could be either of those causes because my dad actually had it as well and had the same treatment as me, a spinal fusion. So what happens is there's a weakness in one of your vertebrae. And often with this, it's down in your lower lumbar. People either get hit at level L4, L5 or L5, S1. So right at your butt bone, you know, area. And what happens is that weakness at some point turns into a break and like the vertebra breaks. And in my case, are they the transverse processes? Like yeah, yeah. if you're using this on Instagram, you see my little, like <laughs> my little T-Rex fingers going, I think they're these two. Um, they both broke. So sometimes one or the other breaks, but my L4 vertebra slid forward in my body and was sitting halfway on top of L5. And it didn't happen in one swift move. It wasn't like all of a sudden I fell or got hit by a car or something like that. And that happened. It happened over time. Did you feel it? Like, did you just feel pain? I mean, what did that feel like? Yeah. So it's really weird. Um, The first time I, I always had my entire life, and this is why it could be genetic, I've carried my stress in my lower back. Like when something bad happens, when someone dies, you know, when you get the bad news or whatever, it all goes down into my lower back. I feel like my back went out and I'm like, oh, I mean, do you have, do you carry your stress in a place in your body 
I, th- I feel like it's in my hips, honestly. Like I get like my hips get stiff when I'm yeah, totally, yeah, totally. A lot of women have that too. Um, but, uh, so maybe it was there for a long time and I did it as a kid, but as you get older, this thing, the symptoms get worse and it can become unstable. And when it's unstable or, you know, just with the fact that you're getting older and your discs are getting smaller in between your vertebrae, um, you can start to feel it. And the first time I ever felt it, I had gotten really into HIIT workouts after um, my professional triathlon career. And then I was like, I'm busy. I don't have time for anything. I'm going to get 30 to 45 minutes and have the best workout of my life. And I'd be jumping. You should see some of these jumps I posted and, you know, just hammering my body. I had no idea anything was wrong with my back. And I was at core power yoga because the only yoga I felt like was worthy of doing was the sculpt class. (laughs) (laughs) all kinds of crazy stuff, like jumping with weights in your hands, you know. Um, And at the very end of class, they always had us cool down by doing these stretches that are supposed to like massage your colon and stuff. So like you'd be on your back and you'd pull both legs, knees up to your chest, or I'm doing it right now. One knee. (laughs) So here's for all our YouTube watchers. One knee up. And then after you stretched it up by your armpit, you would take it and cross it over your body the opposite way. And I was like, one day I was like, it's not my, it won't go. It's like stuck. Like my back feels stuck. Like I think it's just stuck. I got to go to the chiropractor. And the worst thing you can do with this condition is get a bunch of, you know, chiropractic back movements. But when I went to my chiropractor, he's so awesome. He goes, Nicole, this thing, your back, it look, there's more of a bump. You actually have a bump now on your vertebrae, which Mm. was L5. And I will send you photos of this because it's really extreme looking the, where it got to at the end. And he said, I think you might have spondylolisthesis. It happens a lot to younger kids and gymnastics or other impact things, but it can happen anytime. And I went and got it x-rayed and the x-ray technician, literally I'm out there and she takes a shot and she goes, whoa, that doesn't look right. <laughs> And I knew in my heart that I had this thing that's like irreversible. You can't, you you don't scooch your, your vertebrae doesn't go back by like pushing it back. Like I knew I had it and I knew that it would just be kind of a slow road if I did. I just thought I had it. But when she said that, I was like, oh God, you're not supposed to say anything, you know, uh, (laughs) x-ray tech, but you, you just made me laugh. Um, so that was my first diagnosis, and it was about three years before I ended up having surgery last year. And how'd the surgery go? Surgery was freaking amazing. Um, so it took three years of a slow decline where I basically was like, I'm gonna do everything I can to not have surgery. Right. And this is the this is the mind fuckery. I'm sorry. Am I allowed to say my, you are allowed to say that Yes. Good (laughs) of any kind of like elective orthopedic surgery. Like if your bones not sticking out of your body, it's up to you when you do it or if you do it. And I was like, I'm tough. I can live with not doing all the sports I used to do. I can live with a more limited lifestyle. I can be happy. There's a sport for me at every stage. 
And I was like, I'll just make my core as strong as a core can be and never have surgery. But sure enough, it just got worse and worse. And uh, by the end, my vertebrae was sticking so far out of my back that you could see the bump so pronounced. It looked like it was poking out of my skin. <laughs> and I went in and the the surgeon I worked with was amazing. He said, I think I can help you. Let's, here's your options. So I went in and had what you call a T-lif, T-L-I-F, transverse something or other. They went in from the back and they only had to do one level and they made it minimally invasive. Hmm. And the really cool thing is this surgeon is one of the only guys who does this surgery when you're awake. Oh, wow. Isn't that insane? So I was like, okay, I'm all ready. Let's, we went to Vail. I live in Steamboat. It's like an hour and a half drive in the winter last year. And we get there and uh, they go to, they put the spinal block in to make me numb so they could do the surgery awake. And they're like, do you feel that? And I'm like, yeah, ow. They're like pinching my leg. And they're like, oh, crap. I could see the look in their eyes like, oh, shit, it didn't work. And so they were like, here's your options. We can give you a spinal block all the way to your neck. And that would kind of suck to come out of, or we can put you under. So I was like, just put me under. And like two seconds later, I was sleeping. I woke up and uh, it's a whole new person. You're, you're bionic. You've got... You know, it's you've got to recover and rehab really, really smart. And if you do it right, you can pretty much do everything you did before. That's awesome. It is. And so I'm there. I'm one year out. Wow. It's been a year. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Time. Good. Time is a funny thing. <laughs> yeah, like, it really is. Yeah. But I will tell you, I wanted to say, you know, to anybody out there who's like considering a surgery or a procedure on their body and they're not sure if they should do it. First, I found a Facebook group with 10,000 people with this condition. Wow. And people are constantly in and out of surgery. And it felt good to know I wasn't alone. But yep. also, for me, the decision really came down to three things. It was like, when I stopped having the quality of life that I wanted to have, and when I was down to being, I was limited at the very end to half mile walking before I had to stop and sit. I couldn't stand for more than 10 minutes, like even cooking dinner without sitting down. And my body was negatively affecting the people who loved me. So Tim and Wilder were losing the mom they knew in, in a sense. So, and I was starting to get depressed and I'm not a depressed person. Yeah, no, I so, mean, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. So I pulled that trigger and I think those three things are are pretty important for anybody out there. Once you hit that point, people go, you'll know. Yeah. But it's uh, you don't always know. But use <laughs> those three points and then you'll know. But yeah, it's it's been a crazy road. And to add to it, I was literally just about to start taking hormone replacement therapy. That's when I contacted you. Yes. Here's our segue. Yeah, because I, I did. I sent you, I saw that and I saw the giant bump on your back because I was watching your site and you were blogging about it. And I was like, <laughs> she'd be great to have on the show. So I asked you, it was last May to be on the show. And you're like, yes, of course. You know, um, you were 49 at the time and you had said that you 
you were thinking about starting bioidentical hormone therapy, but you decided to do some journaling first to get your symptoms all down. And you were looking for patterns and the back was going on and you wanted to have a mammography and you're like, should we talk now or later? And then that, you know, we didn't talk. (laughs) So, you know, and then you wrote a blog about it. And the last blog I saw about it was like, the hormone therapy that you had not yet taken. So you you had the prescription, but you had not yet taken. So now like, here we are. And I'm curious to see how this, like, A, like what were your symptoms? And then how did the story conclude with the hormone therapy? Like, what were you experiencing that even made you pursue that? Yeah, I think my, my worst symptom is probably brain fog. Mm. And it is so shitty for me because I am someone who's just when I was running a business, I just, I retained all this information and I could spit it back out and pivot from, you know, one thing I was doing to the next, to the next. And, you know, over the course of the last few years, I've been forgetting the words for things. It reminded me of right after I had my daughter, who's 10 now, you had that thing called mommy brain where you're like, oh, I guess I have more things in my brain. So now I can't think of the basic things like what a refrigerator is called, you know, (laughs) or like whatever. So, um, yeah, there's a, a lot of that, like, describing the basic word that you want someone to know here's like saying. charades it's like a day of charades yeah. you know that like, box you know, that, that thing you put the food you, in <laughs> yeah and it's cold and wait well, you know that thing can you just go put the milk in there like so dumb so that's probably slowly became uh the biggest issue and i still have a lot of days that are bad brain days but um i also was getting a lot of uh night sweats too mm. like really just the whole sheets had to be washed like almost every day i was like what is going on and um very little uh sweat like the the what do you call them? hot flashes <laughs> not a lot of that during the day yeah but um the other thing is my body changing you know like i think do we call it meno gut it's like that placement of the perfect placement of the fatty tissue right around your belly where now all my pants and bottoms from skirt sports that fit me so well thousands of units of small skirts <laughs> are are sitting in exactly the wrong spot on my belly. And, um, you know, it just kind of crept up on me. So there's a few other things too, but those were kind of the three biggies. Like what's going on with my body? Why am I not sleeping well and sweating so bad? And why can I not think of anything? So presumably you talked to a medical professional of some sort about this and and got the hormones. I mean, they immediately knew, I, I'm hoping what, what these symptoms were. Yeah. So, um, really though, how it started for me. And I think for most of us is I talked to my friends, I was like, what's going on with you? And they'd be like, Oh my God, I totally didn't sleep for like, you know, I became a raging bitch or, you know, whatever it was. And I started HRT and, you know, it's like, I kept hearing this and, um, I ended up going to my OB-GYN here in Steamboat who works with a lot of women on their hormones, trying to help them manage their symptoms with uh, bioidenticals. And I said, I think I'm ready. And so this is right before the back hit the fan, right? And she's like, great. So she gets me a, a you know, a couple, I had the, the estra- estradiol. How do you say that? Estradiol. 
estradiol patch and some progesterone. And I had it in my hands and I'm like, I want to take this or should, should I not take this? And that's that email you saw that I sent out uh, a year and a half ago spring. Yeah. And I, and I got 500 emails. I couldn't respond to people. It was too much. And I said, I want to share this info. If you want to share this info, let's put out a survey. I put out a survey and we, uh, I tried to make it, you know, share, make it public and, and share as much as people were willing to tell about their stories and what worked for them, what didn't work for them, natural products that worked other things. Um, but one of the things that was not on that survey, which is like my favorite thing you said on the episode of my podcast that you were recently on, I was like, so what else can people take? And you were like, they can take some lifting heavy weights. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, it's not just a magic pill. It's like, <laughs> we can move our bodies in different ways and, you know, fight it all kinds of ways. So yeah, that was that was the lead up um, and the the major symptoms, and I did not end up taking them. I was just gonna ask. Okay, what, I never why? took. I never took it. It's sitting right behind me still, which probably would have to get updated if I was to consider going on again. Um, and the reason is, I think that we have the capacity to manage, you know, one fire at a time. And my back and the symptoms that my back was creating for me at that time, they overpowered. Like the sweating in at night didn't seem like a big deal anymore. And the fact that I had to describe the refrigerator was no big deal compared to the fact that I couldn't, couldn't ski, couldn't even ride my bike, you know. So I knew I needed to deal with that first, one thing at a time. Right. <laughs> Well, and here's the thing. I asked my doctor, I was about to take HRT. Should I move forward on that? And they were like, well, actually we have our patients stop taking it for a month or a few weeks or whatever before major surgery like this. Oh, how come? I, I have no idea, but maybe. What if it's a blood, blood clotting thing? It could be, or and just a- audience. I don't know that for a fact. I'll look into it, but I'm, I'm just speculating because that is, I'm curious about that. Yeah, I have no idea. But they were like, nope, we usually have patients go off of it, but we should find out. That's a really interesting thing. Because if you wean off in like two weeks, that could really (laughs) screw you up too. And you don't want to come out of surgery all crazy, crazier than (laughs) you went in, right? Yeah, that's really interesting. Well, I mean, mean, it worked, definitely worked for you. Do, Do you think that you will pursue it? At this point? Yeah. I don't. Well, I'm going to throw out another thing I did recently. So I did not. This is so weird too. this path. There's so many ways we can, you know, help manage our our body's journey with modern medicine and, you know, all kinds of medicines. Right. Um, So after my surgery, I started having like in the recovery, you're just every little pain makes you nervous. You're like, did I, is did I pull the rods out of my bone? You know, you're like, what is that ache from? What did I do? And every few weeks, my back would just really start hurting like way different than, and I would, oh, it would screw with my mind. I was like, 
what did I do? I did something wrong. It'd be a week or two. And then I would get a period. And I was like, oh, that damn period. You foiled me again, you know? And I was talking to a friend of mine who's a doctor who is on my podcast, actually, Dr. Uh, Anna Lundin. And she also is someone who works with women and hormones. She's super awesome. And she said, Nicole, I don't think, because I said, should I like try HRT? Would that help like manage these period symptoms? Mm -hmm. Because part of it for me is the mind screw, right? Like I didn't like having that weird back pain when I had a back surgery. So she said, you know, I don't think HRT will necessarily help with that, but what if you did an IUD? And I was like, I've done like four IUD, like IUDs are from my thirties and forties. Like really at 50, I'm going to go on an IUD, but I was still getting a period and we were not using good birth control. So could have this like added benefit of <laughs> right. oh, freer sex again. What was I thinking? Not having an IUD for all these years. And, um, and then the IUD acts to the one I got, which is, um, the Liletta, it's hmm. a, do you remember the Morena? Mm -hmm. It was always the Morena or the yeah. Copper. Yeah. Morena has a competitor now. It's Liletta. Oh, and that's I the one my daughter. Same thing. Right. So it's just localized progesterone and it basically makes you not really have a period. So it would decrease that lining. And um, I got one a month ago and it's been amazing. My back has not had any of those issues. And now I've got a little progesterone and my doctor just goes, Hey, if you keep having those hormone symptoms, um, we can just play around a little bit with your estrogen because you already got the progesterone. You don't need to take that. So that's where I am with it. I'm trying something totally different, potentially to manage both menopause and my back issue. And, um, and it gives me a little leg up if I want to do something to manage menopause symptoms even more so. Yeah. Have you had any side of any like unwanted side effects from it? From the IUD? Yeah. Well, yeah, this is fun. So I got like, you know, you get a period like two days. Usually this was my previous life experience. You use like five tampons and you're done for a month. And, um, I got this really light period. I was sort of expecting it. And it literally like almost just like spotting, like barely any bleeding. And I still have it 14 days, <laughs> the tiniest drip. I'm like, this is not what I signed up for. Is this going to go away right before we got on? I, uh, I reached out to my doctor to find out. So I'll hear back from them. Um, but hopefully that's, you know, a temporary thing of body adjusting to new hormones and, uh, but the back, I did, I did not experience though that week of weird pain prior to getting my drip. <laughs> drip. Well, that's, I mean, that's good. That's a, that's a serious benefit. It is it's so great. You know, I feel like I, we, I mean, we might've missed the boat just a little bit on some of these really cool advancements with women and menstruation. Like, uh, you know, we grew up with pads and tampons and a fear of toxic shock. So you're changing a tampon a lot. And, um, you know, now they have those, uh, what's the thing called? The cups? Yeah. Like you put I started it in using those right at the end there and I'm like, where has this been my entire life? 
I agree. And I actually, though, here's my problem. I bought one. So they call, they need, you need like a year, you know, if they cost a little more than tampons. You need like three or four months of a period to like pay it off <laughs> and then you're good for life. And um, I used it for maybe a few months and then it was causing more back pain. Mm. Like I was having pressure in the area where there was an extra thing that was a little bigger than right. <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's like the I'm princess like, and the pea. It. There's something in there. There's yeah, something going you know, on. Yeah. You know, I wish, I wish that stuff had existed, but I'm really proud of all of these women and a lot of Gen Zers who are thinking outside the box on ways that we can keep the world, make the world a better place while managing our bodies. And de-stigmatize the idea that it's gross to yep. like put something in your vagina, you know, to catch blood and take it out and clean it, you know, like it, that, why would, I get why it's possibly seen as gross because you're handling blood from inside your body, but like <laughs> these are our bodies. If yeah. you think that's gross, then you think your body's gross. Then you think yourself is gross, you know? I, I No, I totally get it. And it's, you know, it does take it's it does take some getting used to. I had a, a woman on the show, she was amazing, George Gilbert, who's like, it looked like I'd slaughtered a chicken in my bathroom the first time. Like Yeah, she, you don't want to drop it on the floor and fling some, it against the wall. She had she had some issues. But I'm like, keep at it. It it really is. It's a great thing. But yeah, I mean, just destigmatizing all of this. Like, even like I'm so happy to be having this conversation with you. Like when I met you, I don't know, a hundred years ago, I never imagined we'd be sitting here having a conversation about menopause because menopause was like the last thing on my mind. But like, it's great that we, that, you know, I know you're doing your podcast and normalizing this conversation and you're on my podcast. We're normalizing the conversation. And I'm hoping that, uh, that through all of this, that will just trickle out. And I think it is, I mean, I think in, in my experience, like it is becoming, more normal in the larger um, population at large. I mean, is that your experience too? Yeah. I mean, as I've been researching, I've noticed that there are many more people out there who kind of call themselves menopause experts, menopause coaches. It's interesting. You know, it starts with the women. And so it's going to be Gen X, right? That starts really talking about this. Millennials will be like, oh yeah, it's just part of life. And Gen Z won't even blink. And and that's great, but it's it's starting with the women, but the men, I'm not necessarily uh, feeling openness with having conversations w- when men are around, and that bums mm. me out a little bit. I feel like they're they don't they're, it makes them nervous. Um, one example, I recently did a, a public speaking. A really cool event with this group, and I, we were going over. It was about health and wellness, and and finding your optimal health during when the world around you is not healthy, right? Because we're living in such a crazy time, and we were talking about burnout. And there was this was like one little section where I said, "Let's look at some signs of burnout." And I literally pulled up a slide, and I was like this, this is, you know, I'm reading all these signs and then I go, well, actually all of those symptoms could simply be perimenopause. So who freaking knows? And all the women laughed and like half of the men kind of rolled their eyes or looked uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's almost as if they're like, here we go again, blame it all on menopause, you know? 
And maybe they're older. I don't know, just uncomfortable, but they go through their own thing too. And nobody's talking about that. Yeah. At some point, menopause or whatever they're going to call it is going to be a thing. And uh, hopefully they'll normalize that as well. Give us a little more empathy. Yeah. You know, I I think it's just a, you know, in in some circles, I feel like they're a little bit ahead of the curve because they can go to the low T store. Right. And just be like, like, and there literally is a low T store (laughs) where you can be like, hey, I think I've got this thing that they're talking about on television, you know, and um, uh, get a little boost that way. for better or for worse, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not well enough versed in how those therapies work from those um, storefronts, but yeah. you know, I mean, I, I, they, but to your point, they do, they definitely have their own hormonal journey. It's not quite the same as ours. We, we go off a cliff, you know, and there's just more of an, an off ramp <laughs> where somewhere along the journey, they're like, yeah, things aren't quite what they should be or used to be. Well, and I think too, like, so guy, okay, so let's table that conversation about men. Guys, okay. you know, at some point we want to bring you in more, but we want you to we want to know that you're open, right? But I think too like if our generation is really starting to push this conversation, a lot of the um advice we get is how did your mom go through menopause, right? So learn more about her menopause journey. And then when you ask your mom, there's often like two things that happen. They don't remember anymore because they weren't really allowed to talk about it or they didn't feel comfortable doing that. So they kind of bottled it up and got through it. Or they just had full-on hysterectomies. Yeah. Like my mom did. She goes, well, I don't know, because I had a hysterectomy and I was uh, in early in menopause at 40 something done. So that's kind of hard for us. We don't have a lot of that. um, I don't know. I don't know. How how about you and your mom? Have you had that conversation? Well, when I started this podcast, I mean, I remembered like I remembered that she had like urinary urgency because she would literally pull off the highway, you know, and find anything when she was going through it. So I was like, that was a symptom. And, you know, she I knew that my my Nana, her mom went, quote unquote, crazy during menopause. And she was she was uh, she was truly mentally ill her whole life. And she got she did get worse over time but i was like okay this really looks like i'm not even going to think about it (laughs) just like i don't even know like if that's my future i'm in a lot of trouble and then i just really didn't even think about it but you know since that point like we talked about it a bit she's she's sort of you know she had the hot flashes i don't know if she had night sweats but um but we're we're such different people in so many ways you know she's not where I she looks at me like where did you come from and I kind of look at her the same way so it's kind of it's kind of hard I mean we we have a good relationship but it's it's hard to know if we would have had the exact same hormonal experience so yeah I mean I I felt definitely like I was flying blind yeah yeah it's funny you know it's these relationships so I work really hard to have a close and open relationship with my 10 year old so Wilder is now in fifth grade and the other day I was just we were off on some little adventure and I just looked at her I go Wilder I'm so glad you're the kid that came out of my vagina and she was like oh why do you have to say it that way I'm like well actually that's not true you came out of my stomach because I had a c-section no <laughs> But I love the idea. Um, And, you know, I hope that she can, when she's older, assuming I'm still around, you know, be able to 
have open conversations about me. And guess what? They will be very logged and available if podcasts still exist. That is a true thing. Yeah. No, my, you know, my daughter's 20 and we have very open conversations like she we've it, which is great, you know, because it just it normalizes it. And to your point, like as it trickles down the generations, it becomes, you know, you won't have this kind of shame and stigma and I think, you know, some of this intersects with ageism, which people are also chipping away at, um, mm-hmm. you know, which is another barrier that has yet to, to fall. I think a very important one. Yes, for sure. As a lifelong runner and cyclist, I am stoked to announce that Tifosi Optics has come on as a podcast sponsor. The beauty of Tifosi sports glasses is that they hit all the marks. They are shatterproof polycarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance and complete eye protection. They stay put. They have little hydrophilic rubber nose pads that actually get more grippy the more you sweat, so they stay secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in sauna-like conditions. No matter what sport you do, they have a shade for your activity, including tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, and just hanging out at the beach. And they are super reasonably well-priced, which is very hard to find in a sea of overpriced eyewear. And they just look freaking rad. So head on over to tifosioptics.com and use the code FM, capital F, and capital M, like Feisty Menopause, number 20, FM20, to get 20% off your order today. I'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. Good sleep. The one thing that sets you up for a great workout and a good day is quality sleep. We talk about it all the time here on the show, which is why I'm stoked to have Lagoon Sleep as a new sponsor. Because one of the most overlooked tools in a great sleep toolbox is the thing you literally rest your head on eight hours a night, your pillow. A quality pillow is everything. Otherwise, you end up tossing, turning, punching, and folding your pillow, waking up with neck pain, and all the stuff that happens when your pillow doesn't meet your personal comfort needs. Say hello to the most comfortable sleep you've ever had with Lagoon. They start you out with a two-minute personalized pillow quiz and then pair you with your perfect pillow. I got the Otter, a cooling adjustable pillow that is perfect for side sleepers who run warm at night like I do. It is a dream. It's fully adjustable, so I was able to get the perfect loft and support, and the cooling feature is everything. As someone who turned into a furnace every evening before menopause, I appreciate that the Otter is stuffed, with shredded gel-infused memory foam, which instead of trapping heat from my neck and head, draws it away and dissipates it. It's truly delightful. I'm a good sleeper, and Otter's taken it to the next level with both support and cooling. Put my head down, good night, Irene. My aura ring confirms what little tossing and turning I was doing is gone. The beauty of the pillow quiz is you can get the perfect pillow that you need to and make your sleep the best sleep you can have. Go to lagoonsleep.com slash hit play and take the two minute quiz to find your perfect match and then use the code hit play all caps one word for 15% off your first purchase. Sweet dreams. You know, I want to go back to this HRT do it or don't do it question. Because something came to mind. So if anybody's listening, they're like, I'm on the fence. I don't know what to do. Are my symptoms bad enough? It goes back to my like back surgery, right? Like how bad is too bad? What can you live with? What can't you live with? But when I posed this question in that email a year and a half ago, should I take these or not? I kind of found there were three camps. Mm-hmm. There was a camp that said, oh my gosh, do it 
I was crazy. I did it and I got my life back and I never will regret it. I don't regret it. It's been amazing. And by and large, the women who said that were roughly my age or younger, maybe a little older than me, you know, but roughly in the perimenopause, not like through it already phase. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Other camp was like, don't touch those things. You can do this. Just push through. It's like when you're having a baby and you're like, I will not get an epidural. And then you're on the table and you're like, give me the epidural. Um, it's like, I can do it. I'm tough. I'm strong. I can tough through it. And a lot of those women were already through menopause in their, you know, 60s, 70s, older. And they are like, once you're through it, just get through the year or two or 10, <laughs> right? You know, and then everything will be great. It's so great on the other side. And I'm like, what is this elusive other side? Um, and then the third camp was a much smaller camp, but it was a camp of women who had a, either a major fear, a higher risk for, or had gotten breast cancer. And, you know, either it was due to the HRT they took at that time in their life, or, you know, it wasn't and they got it anyway, but they're just like, don't touch it. It can lead to breast cancer. And, you know, the studies that were done on this in the eighties or whatever are a little bit dated. And a lot of people, um, you know, I think there's a lot of evidence that you can safely take HRT and not worry about breast cancer, unless you maybe have uh, an inherent risk. But those were kind of the three camps. They were like half, more than half said, do it. You'll never regret it. A little less than half said, don't touch it. You can tough it out. And then a small sliver said, I'm not, I would never touch that because of breast cancer. What do you think about this? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it it's not it's not surprising to me because I see I see it in the community, you know, that I'm part of all the time. Um, you know, I definitely the more research, the the more they 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 d- dig into that women's health initiative and millions women study research and all, you know, that the timing, the timing does seem important. That ten year window around menopause, you know, they those studies were so flawed because they gave the hormones to them so late in the game. I mean, the average age was something like 63, you know, and, and like everybody I talk to is like, once the receptors, you know, your receptors disappear once you don't have those hormones in the system. And if you start putting them back in, you can introduce trouble, you know, and that, that is kind of where they've landed with that. Uh, but the, you know, the latest guidelines, you know, I, I went to the North American menopause society annual meeting this year and the, the guidelines are really pretty clear. Like estrogen period is not a problem. I mean, it's just not a problem for breast cancer. The problem, you it might even be, protective. But when you get into introducing progesterone, especially progestin, you know, and there's this whole looking into like the micronized progesterone is probably the better way to go. Like there's a lot to tease out. There's a lot to tease out, but like the risk is very, very low. And if you do have, like, I even had, you know, a woman on the show, Dr. Corinne Men, who is, she had breast cancer, I think the first time at 28, like she was a very young survivor, but she, you know, she's like, we can work with pretty much anyone with hormones. You know, she's like, it's, it's just not this dead end. No, you cannot, you know, suffer through kind of thing. Um, But I have lots of feelings on the suffering through and toughing it out because I was part of like this group of women in my community who were all like, we all went to the midwives in the area and like, I'm going to be natural. 
I'm not going to do any of that. I'm tough. And I would have taken shots through my eyeballs if I could have gotten them by the time, like, but I, it was too late. Like I went very quickly and I was just like, <laughs> like, what am I doing? I wouldn't, I personally would not make that decision again. And when people ask me for my opinion, I don't offer it if they don't ask, but I'm like, you don't need to be a pioneer woman, you know, <laughs> like you can, it was extraordinarily painful. I mean, I was on the floor howling like a uh, an animal on a bear trap it, i i i i spent weeks as a writer like obsessing on how to write like just how painful that experience was and why i felt like i needed to be like you know so i don't think like there's no reason like there are you don't need a it's safe and there's if if it's real if you're if your quality of your life is really being disrupted and and nicole I think it's really important to point out what I what they're learning more and more is that women with a lot of symptoms, with a lot of vasomotor symptoms, hot flashes and night sweats, are also at an increased risk for cardiovascular disease and other things. So that the symptoms do not exist in a vacuum. So if you're ha- if you're having these issues, I encourage women to explore the hormonal route, like because it's very very effective against symptoms. And even though they haven't been able to connect the dots yet to say, and it will help prevent these somewhat associated diseases because they're still teasing that out, like at least you'll feel better and you'll sleep better because I mean, it's all a knock on, right? Like, so maybe your symptoms are so bad that you're not sleeping and that's causing your cardiovascular problems. Do you know what I mean? Like it's all, it's hard to tease all that stuff out, but if your life is being disrupted with symptoms, by all means, do not feel like you need to tough it out. Like that's my really big take home message with everything that you're saying there. Well, and I think too, that might not have been the old Celine. Like when you were toughing it out on the mountain bike trails and, you know, as like a pro racer and, and same with me, like I I felt like I could manage everything on my own. And so it feels good to have permission (laughs) to, uh, to, to use what modern medicine provides us. And, you know, I actually have a question for you. Isn't this funny? Now I'm interviewing you. That's what happens. It's fine. <laughs> this is great. So I've, I've been reading a little bit of uh, research about how taking hormones can help stave off dementia or other um, brain decline as you get older. So do you know much about that? Jury's still out. They, the, the Alzheimer's Association does not, they, like none of the associations recommend that use for primary prevention because, because of that. So, like when I had on um, Dr. Sarah McKay, who wrote a brain book on women, uh, you know, again, there's this golden window. Like if you start using them too late, that can be detrimental to your brain health. And they just don't know if taking them within, you know, there's evidence that shows, yes, it might be productive. There's evidence that shows maybe it's not, maybe it's detrimental. Like they just, there's just too, it's the waters are too muddy and we just don't know. So nobody is recommending them for the prevention of that primarily because it's, it's a big question mark. Yeah. But again, like, but going back to if your symptoms are so bad that you are not sleeping and it's disrupting your life, that's not good for your brain health. If it's disrupting your relationships, that's not good for your brain health. If it's making you like not exercise and do all those, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, if, if it's disrupting those other things that we know are good for your brain and then you take it and you feel better and you do those things that are good for your brain, it has essentially helped your brain health. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
I mean, we all, what, what I'm finding through this whole journey. And for me, I'm pretty early in the journey, like a couple years into moderate symptoms. Right. And is that we're all unique. We're all going through our journeys in whatever way our bodies and lifestyles allow us. And, but we're not alone because we're all going through it. Yeah. Half of our population is going through this thing. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm anxious to understand what this elusive other side looks like. I feel like I'm kind of on the other side. So what does it look like? Did it, I feel it way more overnight. like myself. I just feel like way more like myself. I sleep like a bag of rocks. I mean, but I also like I do things. I still like some of the things that I started doing when everything was disrupted. I sort of went the adaptogen route because I never felt like things were that bad. You know, they I just needed a little help. So like I needed some help with my anxiety because my anxiety was definitely waking me up and that was wrecking my sleep. And the night flashes were sort of like tapering off. So I start I like I started using like ashwagandha and CBD and, you know, some stuff and it really helped. And now I sleep super, super well. I don't really have hot flashes anymore. I, I have some warming waves, I would call them, but they're not they're not really disruptive. And I've always run hot. So it's kind of hard to to tell the difference. But like I am walking around feeling much more like myself like my body composition has settled down I feel good in on my bike I feel good in the like I even signed up for half Ironman again this year you know like I feel more like myself so I do feel like I have traveled it wasn't quite like the light switch that the other that it felt like when I went into the tunnel but I definitely feel like I I have come out and I if I had to describe where I am now, I would be on the other side, even though there are definitely things that persist. Like I have um, a vaginal ring just for local estrogen, because that came out of nowhere. Like that dry sort of like, ow, everything hurts. No, uh, no, 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 no. Like, so that I think I'll have that for the rest of my life. You know, I use all kinds of moisturizers because when you're on the bike, you know what it is. I'm like, I need comfort. Yeah. Totally. That's so funny. You're like, it's like heaven on the other side with a dry vagina. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> but the, oh I mean, gosh. you know, I, I, my my anxiety is back to just my normal catastrophic thinking, you know, which I've I've always kind of had, but it's not quite as bad as it like it, it got really bad for a while. So that, you know, that is good. So I just feel I mean, I'm certainly different. But I'm not all different in bad ways. I mean, my perspective, you know, with someone that's aging, it's hard to tease out what's what, you know, but certainly going through it, it has made me a different person and not necessarily for the worse. I mean, there's, you know, it's uh, it's interesting. I feel like um, menopause being faced with, you know, ha having to get a bionic back. All of this stuff has brought me into a place of more acceptance about something I used to think was bad, which is slowing down a little. Mm. You know, I was just always like, why is that person not driven to do more? Or like, why is that person's calendar not full all day, every day with meeting after meeting, you know? And the back surgery taught, retaught me napping. It kind of reintroduced me to the couch. And so- Every day at some point, it's very rare that I, that I don't do this at some point every day. I literally lay down on the couch with a couple pillows under my e knees and I either fall asleep for 
10 minutes or two hours. And, um, or I just sit there and read, relax. It's like the couch. It's letting yourself have that little siesta that, you know, the Europeans have obviously figured out, but we, we feel so, you know, a need to be productive at all times. And, uh, it's hard when you are taught that being productive and being competitive is a very high, like that should be highly, highly valued in your life. So this doesn't mean that hard work isn't still valued. It just means that it's okay to pause sometimes. You can't recover from back surgery without allowing your body to actually rest. So, and what comes with that is your mind resting too, which is really kind of cool. And I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. I, I, I was... Like I always was very good at recovering. That that's what made me a good mountain bike stage racer. And I like I people would be like, How do you recover? I'm like, I just do. And now I don't. You know, I mean I finally hit that place where I don't recover like I used to. And that made me sad and frustrated me for a while. But now I'm just like, now it's kind of I kind of appreciate it because I like I I am okay with like I don't need to like drill myself today and I'll be better if I don't. And I can do other things with that space in my life. And it's made me a just a better person to be around, frankly, <laughs> you know? You know, I think part of what we're talking about today is the identity that we give ourselves and that it's okay that that identity can shift and change over time. But when you release an identity that you have become attached to, it's very hard. And you can mourn that part of yourself, you know, uh, whatever it is, it can take a long time to fully let it go. Um, it usually means that you cared a lot, but it, they can also be unhealthy identities that no longer serve you. So, you know, we've all been through lots of different chapters and changes by the time we're in the 50 age range which is probably about the average for perimenopause and, and menopause to, to kind of roll in. Um, and uh, this is just another identity we're throwing on. Like, who are we going to be now? Who do you want to be now? It's kind of cool when you look at it in that way. That's how I, that you, you, what you've said is what I've said a million times. And that's how I do look at it. Like I, I looked at it as that opportunity to be like, okay, like I am going to, redefine like what I want things to look like, you know, going forward. Cause I, I still want to do things, you know, I still want to do certain events. I don't want to do all the events, you know, but what does that look like? And what, it, what does it mean to me? What do I want to put into it? What do I want to get out of it? And before I wouldn't have thought about all that stuff before, but now like I do. And I think about other things that are important to me too, you know, my friends and my family and like, it, it just, like, I, I definitely feel more balanced. I'm not sorry for all the times that I wasn't balanced. I think balance is something that happens over time. It's not something that happens within a day or within an hour. But, like, I was way over here for these years, and now I'm way over here. And, like, if you look at the, the timeline of my life, like, there has been – there's balance in that. Right. No, it's absolutely true. And it's the – the coping mechanisms that help us get through that, that can be healthy or unhealthy. And I think this whole, like the HRT thing is kind of like, is that just an unhealthy coping mechanism or is it an actually like a, a healthy tool? 
you know, uh, I'll, uh, one thing, an identity that I left behind over 15 years ago was alcohol abuser and user, overuser, abuser. Um, and that was a hard identity to let go of. But once I finally did and realized like that was not really serving me the way I thought it was, <laughs> it allowed me to move forward. But it doesn't mean that these things don't continue to be a part of you and you don't have to constantly be aware that they used to overtake your life. Right. And for instance, even uh, having back surgery, doing anything that might require drugs to recover or or be used during those are times when, you know, you want to be like extra super aware and go, Ooh, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole again, you know, and, and slide down an addiction hole <laughs> because I took oxy or whatever after my back surgery. And suddenly now I'm addicted to a different kind of drug. No, but HRT is not that journey. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 it's not, but like it, it, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, and this is, a little off topic, but not quite like I, I am curious, you know, you you were you know, you had that extreme where you were using alcohol to the extreme and then you became sober. And I know you've also been a vegan. I don't know if you still are a vegan. There does seem to be like a bit of an all or nothing to 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 you, if I'm reading this correctly. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Do you feel like that is. um, But you don't. But you'd be. Yeah, I was going to say, but I'm not hearing that when you now. No, that's changing. And it's kind of like the things you needed to perform at your highest level in some cases are not always super healthy things. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah, 100% not. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, they, they, they may bring out selfishness and mm -hmm. unhealthy behaviors and things that, you know, just don't aren't who you want to be, but they helped you get to a level in either a career or athletically or you know, whatever. Yep. Um, but it's interesting as I've gotten older, I have just softened in all those ways. I honestly, I don't think I have a competitive drive anymore. <laughs> Maybe I do. It's just not for sports or it's funny know. you say that because I, <laughs> I don't, I, I, that is something that I wrestle with and continue to wrestle with because I do, I like the process of training. I like events. I like a lot of it, but I don't have that. I, I just, that, that saying that drive that would like just get me off the line with all I had and hang on until, you know, like eight hours later or eight days later or whatever it would be. Like, I don't, I don't care enough about the result anymore. You know, I still like yeah. the process. I just don't care because I've been there and I feel, I don't feel like that's a failing or a, a weakness. I feel like I have spent, I spent so much time in the pursuit of that, that I, I was there and I, I, I've evolved as a person. And now I've got some of that pursuit, like for this podcast and for this community I'm building, like I feel that kind of energy and drive towards these other things in my life. And I think that's exciting and great. And there's only so much of that drive you can give things, right? So even though I want to line up for this, this half Ironman, because I really enjoy in the process, like, you know, there's part of me that has the, the conflict of getting back into that competitive space where you're around that energy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because everyone else might be in that space where I'm just like, hey, we're going to go for a swim and a bike and a run today. Like, <laughs> be fun, right? Everyone, fun. This will be, it'll be telling <laughs> for you if you're nervous or not at the starting line. 
I will see. I haven't been all that nervous for stuff in a while. Like not that kind of nerves. Like I used to wake up a, just drowning in like that was the hardest part is like managing that misery to get uh-huh. to the start line yes. and just going through it. And then like once the gun went off, it was pretty much OK. But like that managing that was the hardest part of the co- competitive landscape for me. And I have not felt it. <laughs> I don't miss it. But that but that also like it. I, it did serve me, you know, that that energy that caused that me- misery definitely served me. Um, I, I don't I don't I don't want it, though. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want it back. So I don't care enough to want that that back. Yeah, it's like the thing that would drive you from racing is the pre-race nerves. It sucks. But you want something from it back or you wouldn't have signed up for a half totally but you don't want that feeling but there's something that you need or that you want to explore again to see like is doing this event going to help me feel whatever right i don't what even know that? if i know that answer yet i don't know either i've been but i really but it's fun like it, it's fun it's interesting to me like i got back in the pool and it's literally it's been over 10 years since i did iron man and i was like I am enjoying this process again. Like I am like I I I'm enjoying the process of it. I I am learning and and you know part of it is just like learning like okay like who am I now? Like what does this feel like? What does it look like? Can I still do these things? How is my body going to respond? And it's it's been interesting to see that and like maybe this will be something that I continue to do um for the rest of my life because because Nicole, I feel I feel great because I like I ride my bike all the time. And I that does not serve me as much right now. After 10 years of riding my bike, like how many hours a week or miles, I don't feel great on my bike all the time anymore. And I feel so much better even just after like three weeks of training. I'm like I feel like a new person after swimming again. Like I just like my body feels so much better. So it's it's already serving me in that way. I will tell you one of the things that I have come to value more and more is curiosity. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, you posed this whole concept as like, you know, are you all or nothing? And maybe also that's a little reflective of you, Celine. Are you? Oh, it all is hundred percent. Yes. You know? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, we're I both kind of like less so now, but I yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and there was, that definitely was a part of the drive phase of life, but now I feel more like I want to be in the happy, healthy, robust, um, relaxed phase of life and still doing cool things that make me feel productive because that I do value that still. And I like feeling productive. Um, but I don't necessarily, I feel like this curiosity piece is where it is more for me. Like you said, you, you were vegan, you were, you know, basically an alcoholic and then sober. Well, that's, that's going to be black and white and not change for me. Yeah. 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 Because that's a, a little different beast. But, um, but say with the vegan thing, I, within a couple years, started calling myself a Chigan, which is a cheating vegan. And the point is, I just started to relax into it. And I was like, you know, I mostly choose plants. But if somebody makes something with egg in it, I'm going to eat a piece of that banana bread. 
And, and I was like, and if I'm craving an egg, I'm going to eat an egg. And then I'm like, you know, I kind of, I need a little more today or this week, or let's have sliders, you know, let's do something kind of weird. What's hard is that people often, especially in the public eye, say their one thing and then feel like they can never go back. And especially if you create a business around it or whatever, like if you are the healthy vegan dude, you can't not be that. You can't one day go, you know what? I'm a carnivore now. I'm doing this diet. I'm keto or whatever. (laughs) Like people would be like, I don't trust you anymore. You just got me hooked on all these products and now they... And, but the truth is, I don't think a certain diet necessarily works for one person for their whole life. We change constantly. So I kind of take that approach. I like being a Chigan. I still think I'm a Chigan, but I eat non vegan food every day, whether it's some yogurt or, you know, whatever. But I am finding that this both protein and iron issues that I'm facing as I'm, getting older and going through this are rearing their heads. So my diet's going to have to adjust and follow. Anyway, this is a whole nother rabbit hole. We've already been going an hour. I I know. I love it. We got, well, we, we know that's what happens when you put people who know each other well together for, but I, 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 I appreciate you sharing all that and I appreciate your openness and I appreciate this conversation. I guess, you know, my question to leave you with is like, what, what, what are you looking forward to now? I mean, do you put things on the calendar or do you just, do you go out and do you quote unquote train or do you have simple athletic exercise pursuits that you just enjoy? Like, what does it look like for you now? Building on the curiosity concept. I love being a beginner. I love the non-pressure approach of trying new things. Um, In about a half hour, I'm going to go put on skis with skins and go uphill skiing on the little hill near us. Uh, It's a small mountain, actually. And uh, I'm going to go with my husband, Tim, and spend some really great together time on the snowy trails and then ski down. Um, I honestly, I just try to move my body every day. And I want to make my core has to be a focus in my life because of my back. So I just, I do a lot of Pilates now. Pilates is not high heart rate, like, you know, core power yoga anymore or hit workouts. And, And I balance it out with beautiful time outside. And I love it. And this stage of my life, I have really had to um, work hard so that I don't struggle with not having a big, huge career at the moment. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm kind of letting the next thing come and reminding myself that my daughter is 10. I have a couple more years before she doesn't want to hang out with me. And she still likes me. And... Uh, She's about to hit puberty and I want to be there for her through this. So it's, it's an interesting place to be. It feels like I'm in between a lot of things, but looking back in my life, this could end up being the most important phase I'll have. I'm a supporter. I love that. And I think that's a good mic drop moment. And you know, you are supporting people. You have your own podcast about menopause, which we will definitely plug on the show. And um, I really appreciate I appreciate you. I appreciate you sharing all that. And I'm so happy we finally made this conversation happen. 
I know me too. You are absolutely amazing. And I really enjoyed interviewing you today too, a little bit. (laughs) I did too. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Well, that's our show. Come on back next week when I sit down for a mind-blowing conversation with Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford, who is one of the premier researchers in obesity medicine right now. We talk all about weight, which is not a topic I talk a lot about on this show. But when I saw what she had to say at the North American Menopause Society's annual meeting last year, I knew I wanted to talk about it with her. So come on back for that one. And until then, as always, stay feisty. You've been listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I'm your host, Celine Yeager. The show is edited and produced by the strong, talented, and amazing women at Live Feisty Media. Follow us on social media at Feisty Menopause, And please help us spread the word. Screenshot and share this episode on your social media channels with the tag at Feisty Menopause. Share the show with your friends. And please subscribe, like, review, and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Word of mouth and good reviews make it easier for other listeners to find. Thanks for listening. And as always, stay feisty. Feisty.